Maybe you felt chills or goosebumps. Perhaps it's an overwhelmed feeling of something bigger than you or more complex. Whatever the feeling, God put the response in your soul as a reminder of His presence, power, and glory. It's called awe, and He wants to remind us of it every day in many ways. Join us as we discover how God has used His awe to inspire others to follow Him deeper in their lives. We often get surprised by God's timing, how He does something just at the right time that is so needed. And in today's crazy world of change going on all around us with the COVID-19 virus, causing many losses of jobs, people being quarantined in our homes, distance from others, or the concerns of just going to the store to get food, but hopefully not the virus. This and many more things are causing an increase in anxiety. Well, today we are speaking with Pastor David Chadwick, who began to write a book on anxiety and how the Bible has the answers we need to handle anxiety some two years ago. Little did he know that the release date of this book would be this past April. Perfect timing by God in the midst of an anxiety-filled era in our history. Pastor Chadwick has been a pastor for over 40 years, currently at the Moments of Hope Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, which he also founded. He has a master's in divinity and a doctorate in ministry, which allows him to use his knowledge of the Bible in combination with therapeutic counseling theories to help others be delivered from the killing of anxiety that takes place, what can really just destroy the inside of you. And so, Pastor Chadwick, David, thank you very much and welcome to the show. Thank you, Bruce. It's a pleasure being with you today. As I said, nothing could be better time than the book that you've written. And so maybe start us at the beginning. What what got you started on writing the book and got you to where we are today? Yes, it was about a year and a half ago. I was uh, meeting with uh, my publishers and we were talking about my next book. And they asked me, what did I think was probably the greatest issue in the culture? Now, remember, this is 18 months ago. Mm-hmm. And I Gosh, best I can tell, it probably is the issue of anxiety, and that's because at that point, it was the second major reason for teen suicide, and it was identified as the major issue that adults were facing as well. So I thought, you know, I have a graduate degree in counseling from the University of Florida, and then I also have all the seminary qualifications, Bible and theology that you mentioned, and I said, why can't I bring together those two disciplines of the psychotherapeutic community and also Bible and theology into a book on anxiety. They said, you go for it. So I started writing it. I completed it about a year ago, submitted it to them, did all the editing, and then finally it was published and brought out to the public April the 21st of this year. And like you noted, Bruce, little did I know that when it was published, it was going to be right in the middle of a global pandemic. And all the COVID-19 crisis has done is made the anxiety problem now on steroids. It it has added gasoline to the fire. And now we have anxiety everywhere being the major reason people are still committing suicide. And interestingly, CNN just did a report, and there's been uh, an increase of 34% of people using anti-anxiety medications. Uh, So it's a real problem that's out there today. I'm just thankful that this book may help some as they're trying to overcome anxiety. Again, the book's entitled Moving Beyond Anxiety. I think that describes what I'm trying to do. So as you hear a report with 34%, um, 
of people increased in using the medicine and everything. How is um, an author as well as a pastor and somebody from a counseling background, how do you help other people that help those that have anxiety? Um, is there anything out there for them? Well, I think you've got to begin to understand for those who are counseling, those in ministry, those who are just trying to help their friends and their neighbors, and especially, Bruce, for those who are caught in mm -hmm. the fire of anxiety, that all of this begins in your mind, that, that you are what you think. And cognitive behavioral therapists all know that you are what you think. They all know that feelings are the results of your thought life, that really the progression is you think, then you feel, then you act. And, and too many therapists are trying to help people deal with their feelings, and they give them medications or other methodologies to deal with their feelings, but they've never really dealt with the heart of the problem. It's almost like a cortisone shot for an athlete's injury. Uh, it allows them to keep playing for a while, but it masks the real mm -hmm. problem. The real yes. problem is what you're thinking. What are you allowing into your mind? So two years ago, anxiety was a huge problem because of all the changes going on in our world, all the immediate knowledge we can have via our phones and smartphones and other instruments uh, because of all the different loneliness factors that were going on then that are now even more so. And if you focus your mind on those things, that's what ultimately will cause anxiety. If you want to change your anxious feelings, you've got to change your anxious thoughts. That's the message for everyone they need to hear. That's so important because I was looking at um, some of the different health organizations out there and what they were saying about how to deal with anxiety. And most of them list off a bunch of different things about keeping, you know, your normal routine as much as possible and trying to connect with people on phones and stuff. And, and then, then they put in a little part that says, and if you have a belief system that can also help you in this time. Um, <laughs> but, but that comes across more as wishful thinking. Yeah. And, and almost like an add on. Uh, yes. What's most important. And, you know, as a person who tries to follow Jesus as best I know how I go to the word of God and it's just so interesting to me how the scripture affirms what cognitive therapists know, and that again is you are what you think. You mm -hmm. know, that in Romans 12, too, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Uh, he yeah. also said in Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on things that are above. Wherever we focus our thought life, that's what's going to cause us to feel what we feel. So if people are, for example, watching Fox News or CNN, liberal or conservative, just know that they're trying to get your attention. Whatever bleeds, leads, they're going to give you the worst news possible. And if hmm. you fix your mind on those messages, anxiety is going to be exacerbated. So one of the things you do is quit listening to those bad news shows and start filling your mind with the promises of God's word and other positive thoughts that will help you overcome anxiety. Mm-hmm. So if I'm out here listening to you and I'm, I'm an anxious person and I, I am feeling overwhelmed and everything like that, take me through the steps of, of getting my mind to think first on the right things and then act upon it after that. So where, where do I begin? Because, you know, I'm looking at all this stuff and it's all swirling around me and, uh, you know, people are telling me all kinds of things and I'm getting text messages about stuff and 
So where, where do I start? Well, you first of all have to come to the realization that you don't control anything. None of your friends controls anything. Fox News or CNN doesn't really control anything. The Lord God of this universe controls everything. Mm. So that's the place where you've got to begin. You've got to focus your mind on the facts of faith. You've got to look at who controls this world and find your mind focused completely and totally on him. And then what I did in the book, Bruce, entitled Moving Beyond Anxiety, it's really 12 spiritual disciplines, Mm -hmm. 12 practical strategies to renew your mind. And the very first chapter is focus on faith. Let your mind focus on the one who controls everything. So you don't let any information from outside of you control your emotions. You let God control your emotions. You say he's the one that's sitting on the throne. And this COVID-19 crisis did not catch him by surprise. And the anxieties I'm going through didn't catch him by surprise. The most important thing you can do is to believe and have faith Mm -hmm. that God controls everything. And it's interesting, Jesus did talk about anxiety in Matthew 6, 25. And he said, don't let your mind be anxious about these things. What things? Things like, am I going to have clothes? Am I going to have food? Am I going to have water to drink? And what he does is he appeals to all of his listeners to consider creation. He Mm -hmm. said, look at your heavenly father. And now he takes care of the birds of the sky. He gives them everything they need. He takes care of the lilies of the field who are clothed with a color and splendor greater than Solomon himself, the richest man in the world at that time, who had clothes and garbs of robes that would knock your socks off with their beauty. But God says the beauty of the flowers is even greater. And then Jesus uses an a fortiori argument, an argument from the lesser to the greater. If God cares for the lilies of the field, if he cares for the birds in the sky— How much more will he care for you, the crown of his creation? We humans are at the top of the food chain in God's love. And if you believe that, if you focus your mind on that, if your faith is centered on him, then you believe that he controls everything. And when you focus your mind there, Bruce, that's when anxiety, the emotion, will start to abate, get lesser, because your mind is focused on the right things. Okay. So now David and I talked about this before we got on. Uh, I may take the devil's advocate side just so the points become stronger and you we can flesh out some of this for people listening. I mean, it sounds like pie in the sky, David. Focus on God doing that. And it's, what, is he going to bring me money? I mean, is he going to deliver food to my door? What I don't get it. Well, I don't believe in the prosperity gospel, where if you just have enough faith, God's going to make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. I do, though, believe in a God who is an eternal heavenly father. Jesus himself called him daddy. And when you have faith, he promised to meet your every need, not your greeds. Now, let me reemphasize that, Bruce, your every need, not your greeds. And that's the point Jesus was trying to make in Matthew 6, 25 and following, that God is a loving heavenly father. And if he cares for birds and grass, how much more will he care for you? Will he meet your needs? Will he supply that Mm. which you need every single day? So that's what you've got to just believe. And it's either a promise that's true from God, or it's a falsification of the worst degree. And of course, those of us who have faith, who've lived for any number of years in a relationship with the father can look back on a number of times where we've seen him supply sometimes naturally through friends or relatives, sometimes supernaturally by a person showing up on your doorstep you don't even know when you need something. 
But he does that because he's a loving heavenly daddy. And that's what the faith relationship is. Do you believe that or not? When you focus your mind on that faith that you really believe that, you start to see God working supernaturally. I'm assuming that uh, that is your step on remembering is thinking back to times like that when you can say, uh, you know, God did it here. He'll do it again. Exactly, Bruce. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 is such a powerful verse from the Apostle Paul. He said, we destroy arguments and lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Mm. Take every thought captive. So when you have anxious thoughts start to enter your mind, you must take them captive. That word take captive in the Greek means literally spirit. So you've got to spear that thought, usher it out of your mind, then replace it with another thought that's positive. Well, one of those thoughts that's so positive in one of the chapters in my book on a spiritual discipline is to remember. Mm. You know, the Jews were called to remember the Red Sea, that marvelous miracle where God freed them completely from the Egyptians. In the New Testament, we Christians are adjured to remember the resurrection. And the resurrection's proofs are so powerful that any skeptic who objectively looks at them must walk away going, Jesus was truly raised from the dead. We Christians believe that. We also, though, look at our own miracles, things in our past where God came through for us. We remember those things. And I really believe as you remember the Red Sea, you remember the resurrection, and especially remember those miracles that God has done for you where he's come through for you, you replace the wrong anxious thought with that positive thought. Then you know that if God did it once, like you said, Bruce, he can do it again. And that then replaces the anxious thought with a hopeful thought, with a thought of faith, and gives you the encouragement to live this day to the full. So what if I said to you, geez, David, I've, I've tried this and I just, it doesn't seem to work for me. And I always end up just even more anxious then because I feel like something's wrong with me. Yeah. I would say, try it again and try it again and try it again. That Jesus isn't a magical genie in a bottle who you rub and all of a sudden all your problems go away. He's a relationship, and just like any relationship, it takes time to develop the intimacy of that relationship with him. So continue to go to him, continue to trust him, and to continue to believe. I mean, saying that it doesn't work is like saying to the Lord God of this universe, you're not really in control, and that's the major issue. Jesus mm. wants to be your closest friend and companion. Keep going back to him, keep loving him, keep trusting him, and you will see him come through for you. He's either a liar when he promised that he would, or you're not trusting enough. And, and there is that issue of our faith moving us into a deeper relationship with Jesus. That's the key. Okay. So then, too, when I look at prayer as like your second step, is there any particular way I should pray, or what should I pray? You, you know, prayer is an instrument, Bruce, and we've got to remind people of that. Prayer within itself has no power. You know, people can do rote prayers like the Pharisees did during Jesus' day and have no power whatsoever. It's the prayer of faith that has power. It is the prayer that expresses faith to our daddy in heaven. So here's a methodology I use that's been very helpful as I've overcome anxiety in my own life. And believe mm -hmm. you, and I've gone through it like everybody else has. But every morning, I imagine Jesus is on a park bench waiting for me to come to him. He wants to spend some time with me. So I go to that park bench, and I sit next to him, really close to him. 
And he turns to me and says, what are you carrying that you need to give to me? And literally, Bruce, I start casting all of my cares upon him, 1 Peter 5, 7. I give him all of my worries, all my anxieties, all my cares, and I say to him, you've got to carry these things for me. I mean, literally, I imagine myself taking them out of my hand and putting them in his mm -hmm. hand. I imagine Matthew 11, 28 through 30, where Jesus said, come unto me, all who are heavy laden and worried, and mm. I'll give you rest for your souls. And I literally give him all of that. And then I practice a discipline called lips, L-I-P-S. And mm. I imagine Jesus' lips next to my ear on that bench. And he says to me, L, I love you. I, I'm in control. P, I have a plan even in your pain. And S, I'm sovereign over everything. Trust me. And when he says that to me, I then can get up from the bench, face my day, and know that the creator of this universe is my closest friend. He's carrying all my problems, and I can trust him to do so, and I can live my life to the full. Mm. Boy, I like that illustration, and I like that uh, those steps that you take. That's That's really good. Well, they're practical, and they've helped me for years, and I share them in the book I wrote, Moving Beyond Anxiety, and I hope someone who reads it will be helped as well. Yeah, that's oh, that's great. So when you say casting is your four-step, what, what, what does that mean? The word cast is used by Jesus on several different occasions. Uh, it's used in reference to the fishermen who cast mm -hmm. their nets into the sea. It's used in reference to casting out demons. It literally means in the Greek, a forcible throwing of an object from one situation to another. So the nets were forcibly cast out of the boat into the ocean to catch fish. Mm. The demon was forcibly cast out of the person to set that person free. And note that it wasn't a polite, oh, would you please leave this person? No, Jesus commanded, cast that demon out. So with our cares, we're not supposed to coddle them, Bruce. We're not supposed to hold on to them. Literally, we are to forcibly cast them out of our yeah. hands into the hands of Jesus. Um, I think this is the only time God doesn't want to play catch with us. Now, what do I mean by that? <laughs> A son or daughter loves to play catch with their daddy. They go in the backyard and with a football or baseball or basketball, they throw the balls back and forth to one another. It's a delightful time for any father to have with their children. But with the heavenly father, he does not want to play catch with us regarding our cares. He wants us to forcibly throw them for, to him and walk away. As my wife calls it, pray and walk away. Throw <laughs> all of your cares on your father in heaven because he cares for you, First Peter 5, 7, and walk away knowing that he's carrying them right now. They're in his hands and you don't have to worry about them anymore. Mm, that's great. So as you, I'm thinking about, as you're talking about casting, one thing then that, that I started thinking was, okay, David, I'm embarrassed that I have this anxiety. I'm, I'm not sure I really want to share with anybody. I mean, is that one of the steps? Do I have to share it with somebody? Is it like the 12 steps for AA where, you know, I got to go back and ask forgiveness or go tell people what, what that makes me nervous? Yeah, Bruce, I don't think you have to, but you probably should. Mm -hmm. Jesus is carrying them now, but it's like the story of the little boy who was awakened in the middle of the night during a lightning storm and was crying and his mama came in and said, son, don't worry, Jesus is with you. And he said, mama, I need Jesus with some skin on. 
<laughs> Jesus with some skin on to him. The truth is we sometimes need Jesus with some skin on. Mm -hmm. We need other people. God created us to live in community. And one of the real problems with the COVID-19 isolation commands is we don't have access to other friends, especially if we're living alone. We just need some time to express our concerns with others. So until you can get back together with another person, pick up the phone and call somebody and share your concerns. You need Jesus with skin on. You need mm. people praying for you. And then when ultimately the regulations are lifted, we are called to be together, to love one another, care for one another, encourage one another. And that's most best done when we're together in community, face to face, and even able, we pray again, this will happen soon, to hold hands and to pray for one another. Boy. So let me take a little diversion off of what we're just talking about and ask you, as you're viewing the situations out there and, and the increase in anxiety that people have, if there's somebody listening here, is there... Is there a certain area that you're most concerned about that that needs to be addressed or certain group of people or anything along those lines? Well, of course, those who are 65 and older have been told repeatedly that they are the ones who have the greatest possibility of catching this thing. Mm -hmm. And for all of those out there, first of all, I'd say if you have good health and you're 65 and older, listen to that and give it to Jesus, because that doesn't mean you're going to catch this thing nor have the death sentence if you do catch it. Mm -hmm. Second, those, for those who have pre-existing conditions who might have more concern about catching this and dying, here's what I would say to them. But I would say this to everyone, Bruce, because yeah. you know, statistics are in one out of one die. <laughs> we, we all die. Mm -hmm. So Stephen Covey is right in his leadership principle, begin with the end in mind. Let's begin with our end in mind. Let's get the death issue solved. Give our lives to Jesus. Know he's the resurrection and the life. Know that if we believe in him, we'll never die. We just simply are transitioned to eternal life. So get that issue settled. So even if you're older and you have pre-existing conditions, you know the death issue settled. You've given your life to Jesus. You're going to live with him forever. So death then becomes merely a doorway to eternal life. It's indeed a victory. And that's what Paul meant when he said, death, where's your sting? You have no power over me anymore. Jesus is my Lord. So I think I would speak to that area of the population who tends to be more fearful right now because of all the messaging they've received about older people being more vulnerable. Good. What's helped you in your life that pulled together this 12 strategies you have? Who or what helped you get to this point? Well, I think, first of all, I had a mom and dad who believed. And, and one of the chapters in the book is faith is more caught than taught. And in mm -hmm. that chapter, I adjure parents that you need to teach your children about faith. You need more to live your faith that far beyond after they've forgotten what you said to them, they're going to remember how you lived your life. So in, in my life, I know my dad was a great man of God. I mm -hmm. don't remember a lot of what he taught me. I remember when he was in crises, he was on his knees praying. When he was in difficult times, he had the Bible opened up searching for God's truth. So parents, make sure you're modeling for your kids faith that in decreases anxiety in your life, which then decreases anxiety in your children's life. They'll want the faith that you have. So, so I got mine largely from my parents, but also from life experiences, Bruce. You mm -hmm. know, when in my mid-20s, I was taking care of my parents' home while they were away for the weekend. I awakened at 3 o'clock in the morning with a gun six inches from my head. Oof. And I'm 
said, roll over. Don't get uh, out of your position. Don't try to look at our faces. If you do, you're a dead man. So for wow. the next 45 minutes, they tied me up, came back into the room. They were robbing the home and they had guns and they kept poking me in my rib cage, you know, saying you're a dead man. And so for 45 minutes, Bruce, I had to decide, do I really believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Do I really believe that I'm going to go to heaven? And yeah. so that experience forced me to come to grips with, I am really saved. I really have the gift of eternal life. So with that having been said, then I can believe that Jesus is on his throne and that no matter what happens to me, I can trust him in everything. So here I am, you know, some 40, 50 years later, and I mm -hmm. still look back at that moment and know I dealt with death then. That's when it came real to me. And so yeah. other life experiences have merely enlarged or increased that particular decision I made at that point in my life. Let's take it a step over the other way towards the church, uh, which will have some similarities, I, I know, in your answers. But what can the church be doing right now different from what they normally do to help people that are in the situation with all the anxiety? Wow, that's a great question. Um, <clears throat> challenged like never before to do a lot of stuff online. Uh, mm -hmm. I pastor Moments of Hope Church here in Charlotte's doing everything online. Uh, so that's allowing people to have to work harder to get connected, which isn't a bad thing whatsoever. Uh, also, the church needs to make sure it's staying in touch with its people, especially those who might be single and prone to more isolation. They mm -hmm. can more quickly into depression and anxiety, as you well know. Um, yeah. Something that our church has done that's been very interesting is because uh, we have less expenses during this time, you know, not having to use facilities and those kind of things, we've increased our giving to the community. So we're really proud of this, Bruce. Over the last month, we have committed a million dollars to feed the hungry here in the Charlotte area. And wow. we can do that again because our expenses are lower because we can't get together. And yeah. it's great witness to the community of, hey, the church does take seriously caring for its citizens, and we mm. have given people an ability to praise our Heavenly Father with this good work that we've done in the community. I would yeah. challenge churches to find similar ways to bless their communities financially, especially the hungry, the poor, and the needy. Wow. Praise, yeah, praise God for that. That is, that is a beautiful thing to hear, and, and that is neat. What a great witness that is. Do you have uh, any other things that you feel would be important messages for anybody listening before we close up or anything? Is there any other points that you really want to drive home? Cause you know, I'm, I'm just for anybody listening, your book, I'm waiting to receive it. The steps and how you've talked about are definitely helpful. And it's, I love how biblically based it is and that you're driving people back to that relationship with Jesus. But is there anything else that, that you want to bring home before we close up? Well, again, Bruce, the book's entitled Moving Beyond Anxiety. It's available online, Amazon, all the other ways you can get books. And uh, it's 12 practical steps to renew your mind. But here's one that's sometimes overlooked. Uh, it's entitled Remember Your Body. And mm -hmm. we sometimes in trying to deal with anxiety and depression and different emotions, we forget that biblically we are body, soul, and spirit. And all three of those are inextricably connected to one another. So make sure during this COVID crisis, when we're isolated, we're homebound, don't forget to exercise your body. 
that when your body is not feeling well, it somehow exacerbates depression and anxiety. So mm. make sure, even if you're just walking around your house, walking upstairs, doing some deep knee bends, something to increase your heart rate, just remember that how your body is healthy will affect your mind's health. They go together, and don't forget to make sure your body is taken care of. And mm. as a part of that, drink lots of water, eat well, be careful about caffeinated drinks and carbonated drinks, and also make sure you're getting enough sleep. Those three things are so essential for a healthy body. As your body is healthy, it will affect your mind's health as well. Mm. And as you said at the beginning, as a man thinks, so he is. And so we need to keep that thinking straight. Exactly. You are what you think. It's a biblical principle. Even Jesus said it in Mark, the seventh chapter. He said, don't you know that it's out of your heart that all evil thoughts come, which then produce murder, theft, adultery, etc." Isn't it interesting? He said, it's from your evil thoughts that uh, your evil behavior comes. <laughs> so true. <laughs> wow. Fabulous conversation. And and thank you for putting out a book that through God's timing came out right when we need it the most. We will post the different uh, links that uh, that I have for you where people can listen to you, pick up your book and things along those lines. And uh, just God bless you for, for taking the time and the effort to write the book as well as uh, take time with us today. We thank you very much, David. Well, thank you, Bruce. And when I wrote the book and uh, when I do these kind of radio podcasts with someone. My prayer is always the same. Lord, if it helps one person, I'm grateful. Yes. And that, and our prayers there with you. Thank you so much, Dave. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Bruce. Been a privilege being on your show. All right. Privilege having you. God bless.